Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some Bengals headlines. We're going to talk about the Bengals game against the Washington football team. And I'm also going to answer some questions from the Bengals.com website. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Bengals headlines. All right, two games in the books. You know, it's already seeming like it's going too fast. Just slow down. I want this season to last forever. And exciting stuff. The starting offense, the starting defense, they're both being very competitive. The rookies are getting a lot of playing time. It's looking like we're getting really sharpened up for the season. Can't wait for it to start. All right, let's move on to some headlines. So one of the headlines from this game is there was only one injury, and that was Camp Sample with a shoulder injury. And I'm hearing that it's not that severe. So that's good to get out of two preseason games with very limited injuries. Coming into the game, there were several players that didn't play because of injury. And, you know, that could hurt their long-term chances. Like Travion Williams, another game with that hamstring. I understand you don't want to rush back from it. But unfortunately, Chris Evans is kind of lighting it up in his absence. And, you know, that's tough when you're competing for a roster spot. Same thing with Mitchell Wilcox, out with an undisclosed injury. And then you saw Thaddeus Moss basically play the whole game, get a ton of reps there. So, you know, that's a tough break for Wilcox. Deontay Smith was out with a dehydration issue, which normally I feel is like a short-term thing. But for some reason, they held him out of the game. I hope it's nothing unexpectedly bad. I want to see him get as many reps as possible, but I'm sure he'll be back for next game, and they're going to be leaning on him a lot this season, I feel. Joseph Asai, we knew that he was going to sit out with a wrist injury. Again, we're probably looking at him coming back sometime week one or two, and that's okay. Like I said, I don't want them to have tape on him. Let him just come back. His legs are going to still be fresh. He's going to be fired up. Hopefully we protect that wrist, and he has an amazing season like he had an amazing first preseason game. And then the defensive backs that haven't been able to play. And again, this hurts their standing a little bit too. Donnie Lewis, which is a guy that's on the bubble. Eli Apple, which you kind of think he's going to make the squad, but the best ability is availability, they say. So, you know, that could be held against him. Ricardo Allen, veteran. I'm sure they're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's probably going to make the team. But again, these three guys haven't played yet. You want to see a little bit of them in preseason to, you know, to see what they have out there. So, you know, we'll see what happens. And to all the guys that are hurt, I get it. You, you have to heal yourself. You can't go out there injured because it's going to get worse. But then the double-edged sword is now other guys are getting your reps and, you know, it could hurt your position on making the team. Next piece of news is about Carl Lawson. I know he's not on the team anymore. Real likable Bengal. You know, it was a shame to see him go. And he was lighting it up for the Jets. I'm in the New York market. So, I mean, they were talking about him like he was going to be the next Miles Garrett or, you know, insert defensive end here. But he was playing really well, and he tore his Achilles, and that's a nasty injury. And, you know, that was one of the knocks on him when he was a Bengal. He wasn't that durable. He had a lot of injuries in his time here. So I'm rooting for him to get better, you know, get back next year and, and do your thing. Just don't do it against us. But again, that was one of the reasons why maybe we didn't re-sign him because it was a durability issue, and here we are, goes to a new team, mega deal, looking like he's going to be a great player like he did for us, and then out for the year. And then the other piece of news, you may have heard that Adrian Ross did a promo for the Unofficial Bengals podcast, and I really want to thank him. He's the mad backer. You know, he played in the early 2000s for six years. 
He was undrafted, and he was a guy that every year you, you were wondering if he was going to make the team just because they they brought in big first-round picks. They had Tequila Spikes, Brian Simmons. Steve Foley was a big player for them. Then they bring in Raynard Wilson, who was more of a defensive end. But, they, you know, he had all these guys to compete with, and every year this guy is making the roster, and every year he's sticking his nose in there fearlessly. He was a great, heroic player for us. Go look him up, Adrian Ross, the mad backer. And a happy birthday to Anthony Munoz. I saw his whole career as a Bengal, and he was just dominant. He seemed, you know, back then he was like the biggest guy on the field, and he had such good footwork and technique and just a perennial pro bowler. You just didn't have to worry about that left side. Even if he had a subpar guard next to him, it was just a gate up on that side that all these major pass rushers could not get by him. He was an amazing player for us. I know we know that, but when you saw him play, it was just one of a kind, really, and everyone calls him the greatest left tackle in history, not just on the Bengals, but throughout football, and seeing him play, it's very well deserved, and he didn't come out unscathed, you know, he's got that one finger that is pointing the other way, I remember at the end of his career, he was saying that he couldn't even put a shirt on and off because of his shoulders, so, you know, it takes its toll, he came into the league with a knee injury, too, and no one thought that he was going to pan out, and, you know, when he goes on to a decade-plus career of, of being a superstar... And he's a stand-up guy, too. You know, if you ever hear him talk, he's very motivational. And you can tell he's just lived life the right way. And it's just been a good guy his whole life. So happy birthday, Anthony Munoz, the greatest Bengal of all time. I hope we get some other players that reach your level because I want to see this be a dynasty. And then I always like to review the Joe Burrow press conference. So in this one, I guess the main takeaway from it was he said, we're good to go. He feels back to normal after a bunch of practices. You know, it was a shame that everyone was putting that on him and he he felt the need to explain himself. You know, he's coming off a massive knee injury, not just an ACL, but multiple ligaments. And that takes a long time to heal, as I've said a lot on this podcast. But, you know, here we are at the eight and a half month mark and he wasn't quite up to par in those early practices. And everyone's wondering, you know, is what's going to happen with him? But, you know, the reality is it just takes time to heal. So I respect him for taking that on and dealing with all the negativity and saying, yeah, I'm finally good to go. And it was a matter of just getting more reps. I like the fact that they were throwing bags around his legs to kind of get him a little shaken up because that's the main thing. The knee is probably going to hold up, but it's the fear, the psychological fear. When you get people around your legs, you're getting skittish because you don't want the same thing to happen again because you know how much of a crazy ordeal it was to go through. But it's good news to hear him speaking like that, and he has played well this last week or so in practice, too. So, you know what? Let's not play him at all in the preseason. I know we all get excited and want to see him in there, but we're going to bring him back week one. He's going to be prepared versus the Vikings. He's hopefully going to get some solid protection, and he's going to let these wide receivers just shine. A couple other things he said from the press conference, which makes him not just a leader, but a team player and a likable player to the other guys. You know, you don't want your quarterback to be this elusive jerk who none of the players like, and he tries to big-time everybody. Joe's one of the guys, and he's one of the guys that wants to build up his teammates. So here's a couple quotes. He said, if a wide receiver's having a bad day, I might feed them a little more than usual. I mean, that's great. You know, you have a couple drops or... You know, you're not having a good day at practice. All of a sudden, Joe's looking for you and making sure that you get your confidence and get that spotlight and make a few big plays. And then also in regards to his receivers, he said, when a receiver drops the ball, I never say anything. They know they dropped it. You don't have to remind them. You just let them know that you're going to come right back to them. That's the way this works. 
Love it. I wish I was one of his receivers. A lot of times, quarterback, you drop a ball on a quarterback and he starts holding it against you and says, I'm not looking at that guy again. Burrow's the opposite. And that's how you have to be because he's going to have starting wide receivers that are going to be on the team and going to be great players. And if you're going to hold grudges on a drop or two, you know, that's just not the way it works. It's And you're going to underutilize guys because you're trying to spite them. He doesn't feel that way. He wants everyone to shine and he wants his guys to be built up. So excellent on his part there. And then the last thing in regards to Jamar Chase, he said we're going to get him the ball in space and he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. Joe? I totally agree with you. All right, we're going to introduce... An, no, no. Whoa. We're not the all pro, that the shit. pro's messing up. <laughs> all right, here's the next segment. I'm going to defer to Bengals highlights for this one. Preseason, week two. Washington football team, 17. Cincinnati Bengals, 13. All right, so let's go on to the game against the Washington football team. This was one of those defensive games where the defenses were just dominating the offenses. It was a matter of, like, trading field goals. And then when you get in those games, almost like in a baseball game, like a one nothing game, you know, one home run kind of wins it. Same thing here. Like, one key turnover on your half of the field could decide the game, and that's what we saw. We saw the fumble give them the short field, and that was the only way they scored a touchdown on us this game. So it's very typical of a defensive game to be decided by one mistake. But it was fun to see, and I was really proud of our defense. And Coach Taylor doing the right thing. The starting units for the offense and the defense only had three drives. They were both out of there in the first quarter. That's the right way to do things because you want to get the backup guys experience, and you want to protect the starters, and you want to give the starters a little bit of exposure to gameplay. So totally well done. I hope they do that in the third preseason game as well. And then regarding the offense, I love the opening play. I love starting with a screen pass because you get the defense, they're all jacked up, they're over-pursuing, and that's the perfect time to take advantage of it. And it worked. I mean, Mixon was just running openly down the field. Unfortunately, we had a holding call on it, but still, it was a successful play, and I expect us to come out of the gate doing that a lot on the first drive and throughout the game, but that is the way to start the game. Take advantage of the defense's aggressiveness, especially a defense like Washington. And then they continued with the misdirections that I talked about in the last episode that they did a bunch of against Tampa Bay. And I was saying, don't do too many. Don't put too much of this on film because this is going to be very valuable during the season. So I think they did maybe two or three misdirection plays in this game. That's going to be a good weapon for them too. You get those screens. You get those misdirections. You start hitting these quality wide receivers. You get mixing going. Unstoppable, right? Then last game we ran right a lot. Well, this time we ran left a lot. So I don't know if they saw something on film and said, hey, you know, we need to start running left, or it was just the nature of how the game went. But either way, I was worried in in the first game. It's like, you know, if you're going to constantly run right, the defense is going to catch up to that. So I'm glad they mixed it up this game. And I'm sure during the season they're going to be very conscious of that, and you're going to see runs to both sides, obviously. Tough for the offense, though. At one point they were 0 for 6 on third downs, And the first team offense, 12 plays, 11 yards, one first down. Now again, that's with Brandon Allen in there, not Joe Burrow. That's obviously a major difference. They're playing a great defense. What a good test to play the Washington defense because they're going to be a top five defense this year. So very good test for Brandon Allen and the guys to go compete against that. But tough when you see those stats, the 0 for 6 and the 11 yards. 
But again, everything's a learning experience. I'm glad it happened in preseason. We move on. I know our offense is going to put up some mega points this year anyway. And the defense was so solid again. First team, second team, third team. You need a good defense. We know it, when you watch football and your team has a bad defense, it's so tough to watch those games. And it's looking like we're shoring that up with all the free agents, all the draft picks. It looks like it's finally coming into fruition where we're going to have that solid defense, which we really haven't had since like the Vontez, Adam Jones days. Now, I didn't like that they gave up the middle of the field in the two-minute drill. And I know that's part of it, right? You don't you want them to go to the middle of the field to drain the clock. You want to protect the perimeters. You don't want to see these, you know, seven, ten-yard outs and stopping the clock constantly. So I understand that. But you can't be too lax in the middle. And that's what we saw here. They just marched down the field in the two-minute drill because the middle of the field was not being manned properly. Let's take a lesson from that. When we go opening day against the Vikings, I don't want to see at the end of the first half you know, them pounding the middle of the field and ending up with some cheap field goal before the half, which has haunted us in the past. And we're seeing a lot of safety blitzes, which are going to be fun this year. Von Bell is going to be amazing at the safety blitz. And they had Brandon Wilson kind of filling the Von Bell role and doing a lot of blitzing this game. So it's going to be exciting. You got Mike Hilton coming off the slot as well, blitzing. So there's going to be a lot of defensive back blitzes in our scheme this year. I can You can just tell by what they're doing in preseason. All right, let's do a quick breakdown of each position on how the position group did in this preseason game. So let's go with quarterback first. Brandon Allen looks very comfortable back there. He looks like he knows what he's doing. He's a confident pro. His numbers would have been a little bit better without those three drops. So you can't totally read into the numbers and say he had a horrible game. I felt he was a little bit off. And I was starting to get some flashbacks from last season. And this is no disrespect to Brandon Allen. I I really like you. I, I want you to be on this team. I think that you could be an asset for us. But I was getting that flashback to last season where the offense just wasn't able to put points on the board. You know, we saw even that they came against the Giants last year. Colt McCoy comes in and beats us. It was like, oh, my God, you can't you can't lose a game like this. You have to be able to do a little bit more on offense. Then the backups. Shermer's still learning the game. You know, he had that fumble that basically cost us the game. But it was like a messed up snap count. And I don't know who was at fault. But the center snapped it, one of the offensive line moved, and it was like just the three of them moving, everyone else stood still for a second, and they came in and pounded us. So that's something that you'll see in preseason. You'll see messed up snap counts like that. You don't see that too much in the regular season. And then Eric Dungy, looking good on his scrambling. He looked better than Shermer to me. He had a really errant long pass, so I don't know how to read into either one of these guys. I don't think either one of them is going to make the squad but you do need some camp arms. You want to see these guys develop. You just never know. All right, on to running back, that opening screen to Mixon. And then he had another catch, I think, for like eight yards. So you know he's going to be involved in the passing game. And Burrow's going to find him in stride, and it's going to be monster. So I'm excited about that. P. Ryan, they just had two carries each. Two carries for Mixon, two carries for P. Ryan. Unfortunately, it was four rushes for seven yards. And then Chris Evans was running a little bit more north-south this game. Remember last game, he was a lot of east to west. Maybe the coaching staff talked to him. Maybe he he self-analyzed a little bit. But it was nice to see him go north and south. And it's nice to see that he can run in between the tackles as well. And he's very elusive in space. They didn't give him any receptions this game, but that's okay. In the regular season, I'm sure they're going to hit him a couple times a game. He had 3.9 yards per carry, which is pretty good. But remember, it was a long of 17 in there. So if you pull out that one play... 
he was averaging 2.2 yards per carry. So that's a little bit of a welcome to the NFL moment. It's tough to run inside against a really good team, a really good defense, and Chris Evans got some exposure to that, which is well needed. And Jacquez Patrick was running strong again. You know, he he came up with that little knee issue, and I haven't heard anything about it. He wasn't on the injury report. It was never talked about. But I, I feel like he got a little bit hurt there, maybe more hurt than anyone realized. But, you know, when you're a player on the bubble like that, especially someone like him who appears fearless, he's not going to let anybody know how hurt he is. So let's cross our fingers and hope that he's okay. And he's showing he's one of those backs that can just end a game for you. Just feed him the ball. He's going to be a tough guy to tackle. He's going to wear down the defense, and he's going to run out the clock. All right, on to the wide receiver group, one of our strongest position groups. Let's not pull the fire alarm on Jamar Chase yet. He had three drops on three third downs. Very tough to watch, but there's no one who's going to be harder on him than himself. And you know what? Do it now. Don't do that when the season starts. You don't think he's going to be putting triple time in on the jugs machine after that. So let's not panic. I still think he's going to be a dynamite player for us this year. Sometimes it's good with a little adversity. Not everything is going to be a big parade and everything go right in your life. You know, sometimes you're going to have those moments. And those moments are the things that you build on and you learn how to become better as a result of that. So, yeah, it wasn't good to see. We probably would have won the game if had we converted a couple of those because we were moving the ball. But make the mistakes now, get stronger from it, and let's go. T. Higgins continues to impress with his route running. He had the one catch for 11 yards. It was the biggest play for the first team offense, I felt. You know, the more I'm watching him, we're all thinking about Chase. I think Boyd's going to have a great year. But don't sleep on Higgins. He's going to have a monster year. If he stays healthy and keeps running routes the way he has in these first two games, look out. Tyler Boyd, to the best of my knowledge, zero targets. That's fine with me. We know what he could do. We got him that one tough catch down the middle of the field in the first game. I have no problem with him not touching the ball and not taking any unnecessary hits right now because he's going to be a go-to guy all season long. Mike Thomas continues to look good. You can count on him. You can count on him against first-teamers. He's not going to be your number one receiver, but he's a guy that can catch the ball. He can run after the catch. He plays tough, and he plays special teams. So there's no doubt that he's making the squad as well. Auden Tate, those catches He's a highlight reel. You can count on a highlight reel play from Auden Tate every game that he plays. On the one catch, he was just getting mauled, and he still found a way to pull it in. So really exciting stuff to see. He has not lost a beat. He's also going to have a very good year if he stays healthy, too. And Trent Irwin had one of the biggest plays of the game, and he got hit in the head again two weeks in a row of taking a pounding hit to the head. He fumbled the ball on it, which I think most people would in that case because it was another really nasty shot. But the penalty negated the fumble. We got the ball at the one and we scored. So another big play for Trenton Irwin, who is just showing toughness. And he's another guy with the route running. Don't sleep on it. Really looking for this guy to make the team. And that brings me to the guy I think that he's competing against is Trent Taylor. And they just haven't been able to find him much. I think he had one reception for three yards this game. And they're looking for him to compete for that punt return job. But let's look at it like this. If Irwin continues to outplay him in the offense and Darius Phillips shows that he's reliable catching punts, I don't know if Trent Taylor is going to make the team. 
Puka Williams looks fast out there. I love that they used him on the eight-yard jet sweep. You could tell he's a speedster, and you get him the ball in space, and he can create. He had the one kick return where he kind of slipped, and it was a short kick return. You saw that he was kind of mad at himself. But it was nice to see him get some game action, and it was nice to see the speed that we've heard about translate to an NFL field. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with him, but it looks like he's not leaving the building in some capacity, whether it's practice squad, active roster, or an injury gets him promoted to the active roster. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm glad they were able to pick him up as an undrafted. It's a a low-risk, low-cost transaction, and maybe it'll have high reward. All right, on to tight end. Same thing as last time. Uzama Sample, they didn't target him at all. They kept him in there to block. They got him out of the game as soon as they could. They want to see both of these guys get to the gate healthy. So what that did is that opened up Thaddeus Moss to get a ton of playing time, and that's what he needs. You know, you want to see how we, – we know that he's a receiver. We want to see how he does in the blocking game. They did that misdirection to him again where he was wide open, had some good yards after the catch. They caught up to him. But it looks like he's a guy that can run that play pretty effectively. I mean, Maybe even more effectively than Sample because he's a little bit faster. So if Moss makes the team, which I believe that he is, they're probably going to use that misdirection where everything looks like it's going to the right. Next thing you know, that tight end sneaks out to the left. Boom. Head down the field. Get your first down plus some. All right, offensive line. Too many penalties. They held up pretty good against the Washington defensive line. Although... The run game wasn't that great. We didn't score anything. We didn't really move the ball that well. It wasn't like our quarterbacks were getting assaulted by these guys, and that's a very good pass rush as we saw last year. So Spain had the hold on the opening screen. Reef had a false start. You know, there was a couple penalties here and there that got frustrating, but let's get them out of the way now so when the regular season comes, we tighten it up, clean it up, and don't have those pre-snap or post-snap penalties. I was interested in watching Jonah Williams versus Chase Young, and Chase Young is amazing. I, I mean, I saw him in the one game last year. Of course, we see highlights and stats and whatnot, but just watching that guy's motor and his athleticism and his strength, he's a monster player. That's a good test for Jonah, and Jonah held up. It wasn't like Chase was smashing our quarterback the whole game, so it was nice to see Jonah get that test early, and Jonah's having a good preseason right now. I hope this continues I hope that he shows, hey, you took me in the first round. I'm going to be a staple at the left side for years to come. And as of now, he's off to a very good start in year three. And whenever I'm watching the backups play, I'm watching Jackson Carmen like a hawk. And I thought he played well again. He's so strong in there. He's going to win that starting job. And it doesn't feel like it right now because they keep trying different combinations in front of him. And we're hearing about, you know, he's not quite ready to start yet. The season starts in a couple weeks. He's got a little more time to do it. You want to get a guy like that in there because he does have really good attributes. He's got good movement, and he's got great strength. He did play very well and improved upon his week one performance. So keep it going, man. You know, you, you have the potential to be just like Jonah. We'll, we'll throw you in on the, in that right side, and we'll keep you there for a decade if you can pull it off. And then the second and third teamers gave Jacquez Patrick some good running room. You know, Patrick had like seven yards of carry, so... They were definitely giving him some holes and giving him some space to run, so that was nice to see. Trey Hill got a lot of action at center, which was also good to see because we didn't see him much in game one. Actually, Keaton Sutherland went in at center before Hill in the last game, so I was wondering, wow, is this guy just not showing up and getting dropped on the chart? But, you know, he contributed to some good runs by Patrick, and he was in there a lot, and again, that's what you want for a rookie 
get him experience in these preseason games. Michael Jordan had a pretty good bounce back game too. I didn't totally analyze the offensive line all game. Like I said, I was watching Carmen a little. I was watching the first team. So I'm not going to speak definitively on everything that Jordan did or everything that Suofilo did or any of the guys, but it just seemed like pretty solid effort. Our quarterbacks weren't getting assaulted back there. You know, that's all you can ask for at this point. Just develop, get better. We have our starters in place. Looks like the starting offensive line is going to be better than last year's starting offensive line, so that's already a step in the right direction. All right, on to the defense. Starting defensive line is just manning up right now, I'll tell you. DJ Reader, again, low-key, had a bunch of big plays this game. Ogunjobi, same thing. He had that fourth-and-one stop. Those guys are just really enabling the guys around them to shine by just clogging up that middle and stopping the run. I'm really excited because if you can stop the run, you have a very good chance at winning in this league. And then Hubbard gets the sack. Hendrickson, he beat a double team on one of the runs where he got a tackle. You could see that Motor does not stop on that guy, seemingly like he's going to be worth the money. So Ogunjobi, Reeder, Hubbard, Hendrickson. And then Darius Hodge got in there, and they put him in against the ones, which is exactly what I would do. After that first game where he looked unblockable, it's like, you know what, let's see how he does against a first-team offensive line. And he had some pressure. He hit Fitzpatrick's arm on that one pass. I know it was completed, but he was getting in there, and it's looking like he can he can swim with the big boys, and he can get some reps in there. And you're going to have Osai coming in for some third-down pressure coming off the end. And it's looking like Hodge is going to give you that option as well. You can't have enough good pass rushers. And this underdog is showing that he's up for the task. I'm so behind you, Darius Hodge. You just keep it going, my friend. And then Cam Sample was around the ball a lot, very active. They had him outside. They had him inside. He was playing very well before he hurt his shoulder in this game. And it's looking like he's showing up. It's looking like Osai and Sample are the real deal. And very good to see already. Just two preseason games in, and I'm kind of believing in both of them already. Tyler Shelvin continues with that slow start. I think I'm not a coach. I'm not on the Bengals staff. But from my eyes, it's looking like a leverage issue. It's looking like guys are getting underneath him, and he's getting pushed back more than I ever thought he would. You know, I thought they were going to correct it after game one. It's game two wasn't corrected. We got game three. Let's get it corrected before the season starts, because here's a guy who can get some reps for us this year in the defense. Mike Daniels is looking good. They don't want to put in the veteran that much and get him all beat up in preseason, but he looks like he's up to the task. He's going to be a solid three or four defensive tackle in that rotation. No worries about him. He's a he's a leader. He's a team guy. Not an expensive price tag. Great guy to have around. So I'm looking forward to him having a good season for us as well. Amani Bledsoe is active too. And remember, they're a little light on defensive ends, so it's looking like Bledsoe's going to make the roster and probably going to see some time in the rotation, especially if someone goes down. And it's nice to see. He's out there making plays, being very active, hustling, playing tough. So, you know, let's continue that into the regular season. And then the last defensive lineman I wanted to highlight is a guy that's on the bubble, but he's been here for a couple years, Freedom Akinmolendun. He played very well that game. He had a bunch of tackles. He was active. He looks big out there. He just he he's got really big legs and a solid base. He's a, obviously a big guy. I don't know what the future holds. There's a lot of guys in front of him right now. You know, if they if given the choice, they keep Shelvin or him. They really kind of play two different interior positions. But it's guys like that that are going to force him onto the practice squad. Perhaps I don't know where it stands. But freedom have another game like that. 
you know, as I always say, you control your own destiny at this point. So you keep playing like you did this game and take it up a notch, maybe come up with a big play, and maybe you find yourself on the active roster. All right, on to the linebackers. So I just want to say I'm a little troubled by both opening series in the two preseason games, Logan Wilson making a mistake in coverage. I heard the explanation that he said, and it was something where they did a late substitution, but that doesn't matter. I mean, teams are going to do that intentionally to try to fool you, and I watched it. You just saw the tight end, Logan Thomas, just come from the left side, right across the middle of the linebacking core, wide open on the right side, massive gain, a little demoralizing for your first play of the game, and Logan Wilson, he took like a false step forward first, which I didn't understand. And he watches him go right by him, and it's like, Logan, there's no one there to cover him. you got to be the guy to follow him. I'm not going to crucify Logan Wilson for one mistake. He did get blocked pretty badly on that nine-yard run, too. So there was two of their biggest plays Logan Wilson was kind of in the middle of on a negative end. But you're going to have your good plays, and you're going to have your bad plays. And like Logan Wilson himself said, you have a short memory. You don't dwell on the blown coverage. You don't dwell on the missed tackle. You don't dwell on getting blocked. You move on to the next play just like a defensive back, and you just keep going forward. And I I still think that he's going to have a good year for us. It's just I don't want to see those coverage lapses. Hopefully game three we don't see that. Maybe, like I said with Chase, you make your mistakes now, and then when the regular season comes, you know, you're not going to make those same mistakes. And Wilson did have the forced fumble, and he had a few tackles. He was active. It wasn't just a total disaster after that first play, but you just don't want to see that. Akeem Davis-Gaither, very busy out there. Love to see it. Bunch of tackles. Jordan Evans, it's looking like they have him somewhere in the plan. You know, he was out there for a couple snaps with the starters, mostly with the backups, but it looks like someone that they're going to use more than they have in the last few years, and he's got the speed. He rebuilt his body. He wants to be a leader in that linebacker room, so this could be the perfect opportunity. I mean, they just gave him a new deal. This could be the opportunity that he needs to step it up and you know, continue on the roster and and contribute to some wins. Marcus Bailey had an up-and-down game. He was wearing the headset when Logan Wilson was out, which I was wondering who was going to be that guy, and he seems like the right guy for it. He had a nice catch on that interception that technically hit the ground. He almost had two interceptions in this game, so it's looking like he's been pretty strong in coverage. I just haven't seen him shine that much against the run game. Get your reps now. Let's take care of it. He's a young player. I mean, this is really, he played a little bit last year, but this is his first exposure to being in the fire, in the middle, and, uh, you know, he can only grow from it. He's definitely a guy that I want to see make the team and and stay around. Joe Bocci plays hard, too. He didn't have as good of a game as he did in the first game, but, you know, we have a a lot of linebackers here. It's a pretty big room. Keandre Jones, same thing. He led the team in tackles. And you barely recognized it out there, but he had seven-plus seven tackles in this game. So with all these guys, you know, Pratt was... You didn't see much of Pratt this game, but you got Pratt and Wilson. Gaither's been active. They want to use Evans. They're giving Bailey every chance to shine and make the team. Bocce plays good when he's in there. And then you see Keandre Jones lead the team in tackles. So I'm encouraged about that young linebacker room. And then on to the defensive backs, same thing as the defensive line. The starting five, Bates, Bell, Awuzier, Waynes, Hilton, very active, looking good. Awuzier had that coverage on McLaurin, not easy to do. 
He's been having a great camp, and he's looking like he's going to shine for us this year. So all those guys, you know, they're protecting Bates and Bell, not giving him that much to do right now. But, I mean, on the play where Logan Wilson let up the big pass to the tight end, who was in there sticking his nose in was Jesse Bates. So those guys are going to have a great year. Protect them as much as you can in that third preseason game because we need these guys to show up this year and stay healthy. Tony Brown had a bounce-back game. He struggled in the first game. They targeted him a lot. He played better this game. They reduced his role a little bit, but he did play better than the first game. And then it seemed like Winston Rose was the player that they were targeting frequently. And he's he's done a right in special teams. He's had the opening tackle in both games on, on the kickoffs. Defensively, I know he was an interception monster up in the CFL. You know, you're seeing why he was a CFL player. You know, we'll have to work him in to the lineup in the NFL. We'll see what happens. He's another guy I'm not positive if he's, if he's going to make the roster, to tell you the truth. And Jalen Davis, another good game. There was a run blitz that he made a good play on. He had the good coverage in the end zone against Humphreys, so he's showing up. He's definitely making the squad, and it was nice to see him continue and build upon that first game and not just have you know the one-hit wonder. It's looking like he can really play in this league, and he's hungry. You know, he's not a rookie coming out of the gate. He's been around, and he knows that time's ticking, and he's taking full advantage of his opportunity. That's what you love to see. Keep going, Jalen. All right, and then on to special teams. I think we have a monster kicker here. McPherson, are you kidding me? The 50-yarder with ease. You know, let's face it. We've had some kickers over the years where a 50-yarder was a question mark. I mean, it was no question for him. Even the 37-yarder just nailed it pretty much right down the middle. Both kicks had could have been 10 yards further than they were, and they were easily going over. So I'm very, very excited about this player. What I mean, this could be a monster steal in the fifth round. And if we have that kind of kicker that you can lean on for a 55-yarder when you need it, that's going to win games. And I'm going to say this now. Let's be patient with him. He is a rookie. He hasn't kicked in cold weather. He's kicking in the NFL where there's a lot of high money at stake. So he's probably going to have a big miss or two here or there. I'm not jinxing him. It's just the nature of the game. So we ride with Evan McPherson. Please, let's ride with this guy. If he misses a kick, it costs a game. Don't get down on him because I guarantee over the long run, this guy's going to win a ton of games for us. And Stanley Morgan fighting at wide receiver as a gunner. I mean, I think he's the best gunner on our team. And it's an uphill battle because there's just so many good pass catchers ahead of him. And he's really not a reception guy. He's really a special teams guy. So we'll see how it pans out for him. But as a gunner, he's the best we have right now. And our kick coverage, punk coverage, has been very solid. We did let up the one big kickoff return, which is very uncharacteristic. I'm sure Coach Simmons is going to have a word with those guys. I don't know if it was all of his intended starters in there on that big kick. Maybe there was some experimentation. But I'm not worried about that. I I know that we're going to have one of the best coverage teams for kickoffs and punts in the NFL. Bengals questions. All right, so one of the segments that I enjoy doing most on the show is I answer the Hobson's Choice questions from the Bengals.com website. And the spirit of the segment is I don't read his answers, so I give my organic answers to these questions without being influenced by anything. And this episode, I'm going to take it a step further. I haven't even looked at the column yet. Normally, I'll look at the column, get all the questions, and start thinking about my answers. And I did this once before, and I'm going to do it now for this episode. 
I haven't seen the questions yet. I'm just going to go on. I'm going to read them for the first time with you, and I'm just going to improvise my answer. So it's all coming off the top of my head and the bottom of my heart. Question one. I'm very optimistic about the season that is approaching. I believe that the defense is greatly improved and that we will win some of the games that we could have in seasons past. Who can we find to protect Joe Burrow better than who's out there right now? You know what? I don't think they're going to bring in anybody. I think we're going to roll with what we have unless there's some major cut from another team. But I said that already. When you have offensive linemen that are good, you don't let them leave the building. We saw the exception with Quentin Spain because they had a second-round guard and they were paying Spain a lot of money. There are exceptions here and there. But for the most part, you're not going to find anybody good on the waiver wire. Any free agent that's out there now on offensive line, they would have brought in the building if they wanted them. So we're sticking with the guys that we have now. We're hoping that the younger players improve. We're hoping Hopkins gets healthy. We're hoping that Reef is as delivered. We're hoping that Jonah continues to build on what he's done in the preseason. Hopefully Spain manages that one guard position, Carmen at the other. Then you have your Suofilos and your Deontay Smiths and your backups to see who's going to work in there. If we stay injury-free with the starting five and they start gelling, we have a chance to be a good offensive line. They're not going to bring in anyone else. Do you think we have a better team this year, and why? Well, the young players have another year in the system. We brought in another batch of expensive free agent defenders, and we're seeing the results of that on the field. Against the first-team Bucks offense and the first-team Washington offense, our defense looked amazing. Our defensive backfield has improved. You see that defensive line just getting better and better. The linebackers are getting a year older, a year wiser. I think that defensively, we're going to be a much better team than we were last year. Offensively, you have Jonah Williams, who's improved over last year. You have Riley Reef, which is an improvement over Bobby Hart. And again, you have the interior guys, which are all growing, getting a year better, a year wiser. So I'm thinking the defensive line is going to be good. The defense is going to be good. The offensive line is going to be better. Joe Burrow, another year in the system, can only grow. I know he's got the knee injury, but he's going to improve on what he did last year with the will that he has and getting more and more experience. And then you bring in Jamar Chase. You have this trio of wide receivers that rivals any trio in the NFL right now. And Joe Mixon healthy. The lady who asked the question was named Robin. I'm going to say Robin. I mean... It's right there in front of us. Everything is better than it was last year. So, yes, we are going to be improved over last year. It's not going to be a four-win year. You can call me crazy, but I'm hoping for 11 or 12. I love that Trenton Irwin guy. Hard-nosed player. Need more of those. What do you think of him so far? Can he make the team? You know, I talked about this in the earlier segment. I'm a Trenton Irwin guy, too. You know, you see the guy with the long blonde hair out there. He's a target for everybody. Everyone wants to pop him. And he got popped twice already. But what I'm seeing out of him, he's not a small receiver. He's 6'2". And he's showing exceptional toughness. He's taken two hits that a lot of players would have been out of the game. And the route running. You're seeing the route running. I don't know what his 40 time is. I don't know what kind of a speedster he is. But if you have good routes and good moves and toughness, they're going to find a spot for you on this team. So yeah, I think Trenton Irwin's got a very, very good chance at making the team. And I'm really hoping that he does. Next question. Bengals fans since the early 70s, so I have seen it all with this organization. Me too, brother. Believe me. But my question is, Zach Taylor, is he on a short leash? Six wins in two years. The Bengals organization tends to hang on to coaches longer than most teams, and I know Mr. Brown really likes Coach Taylor. 
but everyone's on a short leash, right? I mean, yeah, if, if he pulls out another three, four win season, he's not going to be the coach next year. So yes, it is a short leash. I understand what he did with the with the mandatories that he gave them the other two days off because they had such good attendance at the voluntaries. I didn't agree with it at the time either, but I understand the motivational aspects. And I'm going to say it again about Coach Taylor. He's got a great mind. He's a very good leader. He's very well-spoken. He's a guy that you respect. He wants to teach. Look at what they've done with Joe Burrow with him. You can have your complaints about his record or some other things. Maybe he's not as aggressive and crazy on the field as some of the other coaches. He's a little more laid back, but that's fine. That Joe Burrow development is bigger than anything that he's done. So I'm happy with him as a coach. Yes, he is on the hot seat, but I don't think that's going to be an issue because I think they're going to be a 500 team, if not better, this year. Next question. Assuming the team doesn't carry three quarterbacks and Brandon Allen will be the primary backup for Joey B, what are the chances that we hang on to Eric Dungy for the practice squad? In my opinion, Dungy is a better player than Shermer. Wow, it seems like I read these questions because I said the same thing when I was reviewing the quarterback play in this game. I don't know much about Dungy. I don't know much about Shermer. It's just the eye test on what I've seen so far. I thought Dungy did better than Shermer. I think they're kind of one and the same right now. I don't think either one of them is ready for the NFL just yet. And I see some other players that you want to get on the practice squad more so than a quarterback. So I think they're going to waive both of them and not bring one of them back and ride with Joe Burrow and Brandon Allen. And if something happens to Burrow, please, please, please no. But if something happens to Burrow, Allen becomes a starter and I see them going for a veteran backup that's on the street before they bring in a Dungy or a Shermer. The Bengals aren't known for making big contracts. What are the chances we come to agreements with Jesse Bates? It's happening. It's happening. Just like everything else, everybody wants everything right now. The Bengals usually wait till that first week in September. Bates is not leaving the building, nor do they want to demoralize him by not giving him a contract and having that looming franchise tag thing for next year. Trust me, Jesse Bates will be signed in September to a nice, fat, long-term deal, and we're going to have one of the best safeties in the league under the fold for at least another four years, maybe even more. With Burrow at full strength, how is the mental game going to affect his ability to play? We saw what happened to Palmer with his knee. Will Burrow be the same way? It's only human nature after a major ordeal like that to be concerned and be a little skittish about your knee. Joe Burrow's a different breed. He's already saying in practice, you know, throw the tackling dummies at my legs. I want to feel that. I want to know that. This guy is fearless. And although there is that thing in the back of your head that you don't want to go through that again, and when people get around your legs, you get skittish, that might happen in the first game or two. Once he gets hit a couple times, once he starts getting in the flow, once you see him throwing passes and having a lot of success, it's all going to be a forgotten memory. Joe Burrow is way more strong-minded than Carson Palmer was. And I thought Carson Palmer bounced back well after his injury as well. I know he was a little skittish, too, when he first got back. Again, human nature, but I don't think Joe Burrow is going to have any problems. It's just a matter of making sure that that knee is totally reconstructed properly, getting him as much protection as possible. Don't expose him too much and have him drop back and throw 45 times in the first couple games. Let's ease him in a little bit. Let's be smart about things. But I have no worries about Joe Burrow's mindset. Next question. I was at the game Saturday. First impression was, wow, the Bucks are a lot bigger than the Bengals. Then to hear Chris Evans comment that he was awestruck by the size of Jason Pierre-Paul. Playing in the physical AFC North, I would think size matters. Are we too small? 
No, go, go up and down the roster. I mean, yeah, every team's got some big players, but we have a lot of big players on this team. The offensive line, you know, you look at the offensive-defensive line, they're 300-pounders galore, just like every other team. What about your T. Higgins and your Auden Tates? They're not small receivers. Joe Mixon, he's not a small running back. Joe Burrow's a normal-sized quarterback. The tight ends are about average size. The D, the DBs are going to vary, but, you know, Mike Hilton's put together well. Jesse Bates is, is big. Von Bell's not a small guy either. I know he's 5'11", but he's built well. I don't think that we're a small team compared to others. I didn't see the stats on it, but every team is going to have big guys and small guys. Maybe the Bucks had a few more bigger guys than we did, but we're not an undersized team by any stretch. And actually, I didn't like when Chris Evans said that about Pierre Paul because that was like Joe Burrow when, when they asked him last year, you know, who's the hardest hit you've ever taken or whatever, and he was like, I wouldn't give anyone that kind of credit. So Chris Evans will learn that. Don't talk up your competition too much. Don't be in awe of anybody on that field. And that was just a rookie public relations interview mistake. I guess he was being really transparent, and you can't fault him for that. That's a likable trait. But yeah, I don't want to hear us complimenting the other teams, but nor do I think that we're a small team and we're going to just get manhandled by the Ravens and Browns. I mean, I know there are teams that manhandle a lot of people, but we have the size and strength to, to mix it up with them. I'm not concerned about that at all. Next question. I'm a Bengals fan living in Los Angeles, and I'm not able to see any preseason games or practices. My question is, what's your opinion about the development of the offensive line? Well, we talked about this before. It looks like they're going to be improved from last year. Again, to repeat myself, Jonah Williams is looking better. Reef is an improvement. We'll see what happens at center with Hopkins coming back. Price has been playing serviceably in his absence. Quentin Spain is the same Quentin Spain as last year, and we're doing everything we can to improve that other guard spot. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Bengals-Dolphins game, and we're also finally going to bring back Sands and Tom McLevy. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. Unofficial Bengals Podcast.